Who are we? Okay, uh, my name is Dustin Kodik, and I'm a senior sourcing specialist at Procurement Services, and my specialty is construction and facilities-related commodities on campus. Um, with me today is Claudette Biscup and Martha Young, and uh, they will come up and, and present a little bit later and tell you what their specialties are as well. Um, who, so who is Procurement Services? Uh, procurement Services is made up of purchasing and strategic sourcing members uh, that are basically here to help our, our campus uh, customers procure the goods and services that you need at your departments to get through your everyday day-to-day -day duties. Uh, we're made up of inventory surplus and asset management as well. And recently combined with payables, P-Card, and travel services, our facility is right now in the midst of getting a little bit of remodel so we can move the, the accounting folks over to our facility, hopefully by the uh, either the end of May or shortly after fiscal year, depending on how everything works out with the schedule of the, of the, re, of the remodel. And we're also now a U-wide procurement structure, meaning that we're trying to coordinate uh, as a team with our representatives at UNK, UNO, and UNMC so that we can all try to help our campus communities uh, in a similar way so there's no confusion amongst how things are done uh, per each campus site. Uh, we have our link here to procurement.unl.edu. Uh, if you go to that website, it brings up our team directory. Basically, this lists uh, everybody that's employed with the University of Lincoln Procurement Services Office. It has our pictures on here. Uh, has also our areas of expertise. So if you have any questions amongst uh, how to procure things within a certain trade or commodity, you can go to our website, kind of find out who takes care of that commodity and uh, give us a call and we'll be happy to assist you in any way that we can. Another link that we have on our site here uh, takes us to our commodities. Um, basically this is if you have any questions in regards to a specific commodity, for example, if you'll click on the construction and remodeling projects line here, you'll see that I pop up there. Um, I'm the primary contact for the Lincoln campus in regards to anything related to facilities or construction on campus. And if we go back, we click on another one, computer here, and that should bring up uh, some prime suppliers as well as our uh, commodity specialist down below as well. Um, Claude, if you scroll, yeah, scroll back up for me. Uh, these are our prime suppliers for this commodity. They are also, also listed in all these um, links. Uh, if you're doing business with one of those companies and you have any questions about how to order or how to procure the things that you need through, from them, you'll contact those procurement specialists that are listed on that page as well. So uh, going through the introductions here, uh, basically today's topic for this talk is purchases less than $25,000. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to get a little bit of audience participation here this morning. And I'd like to ask you a couple questions and try to get some volunteers and give me a guess as to what these answers may be. We do have a small prize for you if you're willing to go ahead and not be so shy and speak up. So uh, I'm not gonna show you that surprise until after you talk though. 
So first and foremost, I'd like to ask you, how many transactions do you think the University of Nebraska-Lincoln does did in the last fiscal year under $25,000? Anybody venture a guess? Scott? Over a million. Okay, wow. How about another one? Under $25,000, yes. Correct. We have another volunteer. It's a delicious surprise. You think he's low? Okay, what's your guess, sir? <laughs> now remember, this is Lincoln Campus only. Two million? Okay. <laughs> Five hundred thousand. All right, there we go. Uh, so do we have any guests for people on, on our Zoom site? Okay, so we got three guesses, and the answer is forty-two thousand sixty-five. So not quite as much as what you thought, but still, that's a lot of transactions for under twenty-five thousand dollars that go on campus. So our winner here. Your name, ma'am? Marla. Marla. Marla, you get some Girl Scout cookies if you haven't got any yet this season. Welcome to them. <laughs> Fresh from the factory. Maggie guarantees it. Okay, one more, one more question for you. In, re in regards to those transactions, how much dollar spend do you think is associated with those 42,000 transactions? How about some different guests? Three million? How about you, ma'am? A million? Okay, one more? Sir? 500,000. Okay, and the, the closest is $24.2 million. Quite an outstanding number for $25,000 and less per transaction. A lot of money goes through the gets gets done day to day purchases for you. This is remember this is the last fiscal year alone, and just the average spend per transaction. Just so everybody has an idea, roughly five hundred and seventy five dollars and thirty cents. So, again, another box of Girl Scout cookies for the winner. Who was the winner? High. I think you're high at three million. Yep. There you go. Thank you. Same guess? Okay, let's find out their address and we'll get them a box of chickens as well. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Committing university funds. So, per, per Board of Regents policy 6.2.1.8, no commitment to university funds shall be made except by means of official purchase order, purchasing card, or contract. Now, those of you that uh, do day-to-day -day transactions in the office at your facility are probably wondering why you don't see direct pay on here. Well, we understand that direct pay is a method that's used. It, it, uh, we don't like direct pays, I'll tell you that. We understand that they need to be done. Um, and the reason being, uh, multiple reasons. One being is it's just so hard to keep track of direct pays 
with processing paper invoices all the time. Uh, and not only that, but it's hard for, for procurement services to track the, what you're actually spending your, your money on. It uh, doesn't uh, give us great reporting to have to dive down into direct pays. It's a, it's a lot of extra work, to be honest with you. So basically, we would try to persuade you to use one of these three methods, if at all possible. Go ahead and continue to use direct pays if you need to. But if you have the time, please try to procure through this route. That way you'll help, you're not only saving yourself time from processing paper invoices, but you're also saving the university um, time and the um, valuable resources that go along with those purchases. Okay, Claudette. it. Hello, I'm Claudette. A lot of you kind of know me. I've been around for a while. So, um, my commodities and purchasing is IT related. So I do hardware, photographic equipment, and also audiovisual. So that's my area responsibility. So actually, who creates these requisitions and purchase orders? You would think in procurement that maybe it's our department. Okay, so maybe it's our department that creates this. That's not. It's actually you individuals, Ruth, Pat, the folks out here in the audience, perhaps. Um, you're the actually ones that create requisitions in eShop and also purchase orders in SAP. If it is not in eShop, we would like you to submit a vendor request form to make sure that that is coming through the eShop. We can track it, as Dustin mentioned. Uh, procurement services reviews it. We want to make sure that everything is following our processes, policies. There's a lot out there that we need to make sure that the university is abiding by. We distribute these by email, fax, electronic, CXML. And if you're wanting to know what CXML is, it's actually a commerce extensible markup language. That's what CXML stands for. It's a protocol intending for communication of business documents between procurement applications, e-commerce hubs, and the suppliers. So that's what goes through the e-shop. End users do not release purchase orders. So if you've done one in SAP and you print it out, it'll say it's not for distribution to the vendor, to the supplier. So purchases and goods and equipment under $5,000. Departments can make these purchases. Competitive quotes are not required. We have a great purchasing guide out there on our website if you want to look at that. It gives you all sorts of valuable information on how to do, what to do, dollar threshold limits. Very, very informative. Okay, so purchases between $5,000 and $24,999. Competitive quotes should be obtained, and they do need to be attached to the requisition in 
eShop, or if you're doing it in SAP, they need to be attached. These will actually route through procurement services. We do review these, make sure everything is compliant. And then these are actually approved by procurement services, any one of us buyers who handle that particular commodity. Thank you, Claudette. Next topic, sole sourcing. So um, sole sourcing means that any purchase made from only a single contractor or vendor without competitive bidding. So for purchases under $25,000, the department head has the signature approval to approve those sole sources. And so procurement services can release that uh, relating purchase order. Um, if you're utilizing a prime supplier, uh, meaning that it's a contracted supplier awarded through an RFP process that the university has done, uh, or a cooperative contract of some sorts, you do not need the additional quotes or the sole source. You can proceed with just the one quote purchasing from that prime supplier on campus. Sole sourcing here, Claudia, if you click on that link for me. Basically, this brings up our, our forms page on the, on the procurement website, and it's going to bring up this PDF document here of the sole source document itself. I'd like to go through that just uh, briefly here. So the description of the sole source situation here, uh, typically you have one through five to choose from. More times than not, you're gonna be selecting the first item there. It's a purchase uh, of uh, a unique or non-competitive article. Um, also, I'll give you an example. Um, our building systems maintenance staff here on campus, uh, sometimes, especially here in the spring, uh, due to the unthaw of the ground, we have a lot of water breaks on campus. They'll use a sole source for them to do in what they call an emergency service. Meaning that if you have something like that happen on campus, we don't want to wait around for, pardon me, share screen. We're trying to share our screen with you guys out, uh, outside of the site here. Did we get logged out? Mickey, you says. Now can we see? Yes. Okay. But it's 
apologize for that. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Apologize for that. All the wonders of technology, but yet the frustrations of them as well. So once again, back to our sole source form. Um, let's start over at the top of this one, please. Uh, for those of you that did not see, the sole source form here has five items in which you typically choose from as to your justification as to why you would need to use the sole source, uh, meaning just one quote. Um, most of the time you're going to use the first one for a non-competitive or unique article or service that you're buying. A lot of times we'll use a, uh, the number three for emergency services if we have a water break on campus for our, our campus technicians to get some work, basically get uh, a contractor on campus immediately to get the water cleaned up to prevent any further damage to our university facilities. Okay. Also, we ask that you'll, you'll need to fill in the vendor amount, the vendor name, the purchase amount, and then any additional descriptions as to why you want to justify this as a sole source request. Once again, if it's under $25,000, you will sign as the requester, and then your department business manager or director would sign at, uh, on this line as well. And then you can proceed with that uh, with your purchase order uh, for payment. If it's over $25,000, then Additional signatures are required for approval, meaning the procurement services uh, representative who handles that commodity on campus, as well as the uh, director of procurement services. Uh, if it's under $150,000, she has that signature approval. Anything above that needs to go to the vice chancellor of business and finance for their final approval as well. Okay. I uh, also wanted to mention that come July of 2018, there's going to be some federal uniform guide, guidance, some different policies and procedures that we'll need to follow in regards to sole source purchases. Uh, once those are made public, we will make sure to pass that information along and help educate everybody who potentially may have the need for a sole source. Uh, if there's any questions come that time, feel free to contact procurement services and we'll be happy to assist you with those new rules and regulations. Uh, as well as our director, Maggie Witt, can assist uh, with any of those questions as well. Hi, my name is Martha Young, and most of you know me as the eShop help desk person. A lot of times when you call, you may get me or may not. Uh, I see some of you kind of, uh, but anyway, I. It's nice to put a face with the name, and most of you, I can probably recognize your voices, may not recognize your faces. So um, anyway, um, I'm just going to talk about the purchasing decision tree. Uh, there's, you know, different methods to use. We have um, eShop, SAP, or the P-Card, and um, the purchasing decision tree is a collaboration between uh, both accounting and purchasing. And it was approved by Assistant Vice Chancellor Mark Shosh, and um, by our Associate Vice Chancellor Kim Phelps. And this is to help assist you to know which method to use, which system should you use. Um, out on our 
eShop page or it could, we also have it on the procurement page. Uh, we have a PDF version and then we, if you want to scroll down a little bit, we also have an interactive version that you can go through to figure out which is the best system to use. Um, if you knew, let's say your supplier is um, uh, Pearl, yep, Perlmutter uh, Purchasing Power, and uh, we know that they're a portal supplier, so um, is it available from an eShop catalog, catalog supplier, which is on the homepage? No. <clears throat> is it available from one of the portal suppliers? Yes. And so then it would ask you to go ahead and create that order as a non-catalog PO. I'll go ahead and hit start over. Um, otherwise, you can also use the PDF version at the top. And I don't know if you want to bring that up, and I'll go through that real quick. Um, if, if that supplier is available on our eShop shopping page, we suggest that you go ahead and create a um, eShop catalog PO. If not, is it available as a portal supplier? And we do have a list of 20 of those. Some of them are scientific, mm -hmm. uh, interior, or office interiors and design, so it's different suppliers. And a portal supplier is somebody who can provide electronic mm -hmm. invoicing. Um, so we do have 20 of those currently, so if they're available, we ask that you create that non-catalog PO. Um, if not, if that order is over 5000 and available as an eShop non-catalog supplier, and a non-catalog supplier, we currently have almost 18,000 suppliers that are in the system <laughs> and available for you to use. So it, it could actually be out there for you. Um, we ask that you go ahead and create a non-catalog PO. Uh, if not, it's over 5000 and available in SAP, then you can create your purchase order in SAP. If not, if you'll scroll down just a little bit more, um, if the order is below 5,000 and allowable on your P card, um, you can use your P card. Um, I believe it's 4,999, and that's off of the accounting website that I got that information. Um, you can use your P card. Otherwise, if it's below that, not if you can't use that, you can go ahead and use your direct pays. And so this is a guideline for you um, to know which system to use. We're glad you're here. <laughs> okay. Um, if we can get out of that and go to our, yep, the next slide, perfect. Um, Non-catalog order form. You've heard me talk about that. This is listed out on the homepage under our special forms. And um, so if that supplier is not available on the shopping page, those are our prime suppliers, contract suppliers. If they're not available there, more than likely you can create a non-catalog um, PO. And again, like I said, there's almost 18,000 suppliers that are available, 20 portal suppliers. Um, and so I like to give you the menu path so that when you go out to the eShop page, you can do shopper, non-catalog order and creating, or else from our shopping page also on the left-hand side of the screen under that big red in is our eShop resource links. And so you can also get to it from there. 
Um, and under the training resources, we have step-by-step -step instructions for all of these that are available for you. So you don't always have to call someone. Um, or if you don't get someone, you have those at your fingertips. Uh, goods receipts, quantity receipts, uh, material document, that's all interchangeable language. It means the same thing, depends on what system you've used. Uh, but when is that goods receipt required? It's any purchases, this is regarding eShop, any purchases that are over $5,000, um, all orders from a science catalog supplier as indicated by the logo there at the end, and then all of the non-catalog orders. Doesn't matter if it's $700, uh, you need to go ahead and create that goods receipt. Um, in SAP, all purchase orders require a goods receipt. And we also give you the menu path for that, and it has step-by-step -step instructions for creating those goods receipts. Um, a few tips. Um, the date should actually reflect the day that the goods are received. Um, you can also create uh, partial receipts. Um, and if you create a goods receipt by mistake, you can do a negative goods receipt to correct that. And then if you receive, um, a notification from us, action required. We're just asking you, letting you know that a goods receipt is needed. Maybe you haven't received that product, maybe you, the items were damaged. Uh, just put a note in that invoice for us and then we'll stop bothering you and sending you notifications. So that's the notifications. Uh, that brings us next to um, change orders. And if you'd go ahead and click on that, am I in your way? Um, when should you create a change order request? Price increases, no change is necessary if it's uh, 25, within that tolerance level, which is 25% or up to $100, whichever is less. So um, obviously if your PO is $7,000, uh, no, you can't do a 25% change order on that. You have to go ahead and do that. But if it's below that amount, you don't have to, a change order is not required. However, if you have a um, quantity increase or quantity decrease, we do ask that you do that change order. Um, our commitments are quantity driven, and so that will then remove those commitments for you when that PO um, needs to be closed out. Uh, maybe you just need to resend that PO to a supplier. Maybe they didn't receive it, um, fax problems, whatever. So you can do a change order request for that. Um, or if you need to cancel a PO, items can be back ordered. You're not going to get them in time. Um, they can't provide the items. So uh, you would create a change order request for that. And then cost object changes. Um, we can only change the funding if the invoice is not in process or if it hasn't already been paid. If it's already been paid, a journal entry is required. And if you need assistance with that, Accounts Payable will be able to guide you um, regarding those journal entries. <clears throat> uh, back in January of 2017, we changed our process a little bit to route all of our change order requests through eShop. Um, Why did we do this? Uh, we used to have things coming from SAP Workflow. We had a lot of emails coming in and then we also had our eShop system and it was hard to keep track of all of it and prioritize and so 
this provides one place for it to go. It, um, multiple people have access to that folder, as well as um, it provides a quicker turnaround time for you. So um, most of these change orders can be completed within 24 hours. Occasionally we have some that we may have a problem with, and so it may take a little bit longer. Another tip is we want you to, to uh, submit those change orders in their own cart. You don't want to combine those with um, ordering an item from another supplier. Um, the department is also responsible for contacting the supplier. So if you're canceling that order, some kind of change for some reason, or if you're even having issues getting the product, um, you're responsible to contact them. If you have issues with it, though, you can always contact the buyer of that commodity um, to, to assist you with that. Uh, we have another area. If you need to do a price increase or a cost object change, um, we need you to reflect that total amount in the total value of price increase field. And I know this can be a little bit confusing. Um, you're just changing the cost object. You're not increasing the PO. But what this does is it routes for proper funding source approval. So um, we know you can tell us you're just changing the cost object. Um, we will not increase it, but we, are, we do want it to route properly for funding source approval. Um, and then just a combination of changes. So you can go click on other in that form and explain in the text box um, what you need to do for change orders. And I think that is all for me. Okay, thank you, Martha. <clears throat> Some additional purchasing resources that we'd like to point out for everybody to understand and know where they're located. First and foremost, a certificate of insurance. Any vendor that you have coming to campus that is physically on our campus, they need to be insured, make sure that they're covered, not only for their own protection, but for the protection of our faculty, staff, and students on campus. If you're not sure if they have a certificate of insurance, you can go to our website, click on the certificate of insurance lookup form here, and then you can type in their name. Uh, since I deal with a lot of construction companies, Type in Samson for me, Claudette, S-A-M-P-S-O-N, and hit submit, and you can, it'll pull up their information that, that they are currently insured. Expiration is January 1st of 2019. So if you have a need for them to be on campus for some reason in your department, you know that they're covered. Uh, you can get the quote from them, get them on campus, and help uh, let them assist you in, the, in your day-to-day -day needs. Uh, another example, uh, let's, let's go ahead and throw in Dell. And you can also see here that the expiration is 3-1 of 19, they are currently covered. Now, if they are not covered for some, exam for some reason, uh, if their insurance has expired, uh, that expiration date is going to show up on this site in red, uh, knowing that their certificate is expired and we do not want them uh, on campus until they get that certificate uh, uh, updated and sent to procurement services so we can get it in our database uh, so this goes out to everybody and, and they know that they're covered. Um, also, if you type in a name here, uh, oh, let's just say Mike's Refrigeration and nothing pulls up, then you know as well that, that they don't have a certificate of insurance on file. So please uh, ask them if, if for some reason you need them to come and work on your 
your office refrigerator or any type of HVAC thing uh, in your area, uh, you're, you're going to ask them to provide that certificate of insurance as soon as possible before, before they come to campus. Uh, another resource, of course, going back to the eShop, um, uh, contact your sourcing specialist for, for assistance, meaning the procurement services representative. We are here to help and assist you with your purchasing needs. Uh, we want to help ease your frustrations and, and we're here to assist you trying to get multiple quotes if necessary. Uh, we can give you some additional company names to deal with that product and commodity. That way you can reach out to them to get a quote if you're not sure who to contact. Uh, we can assist you in getting that taken care of for you. And then also our eShop ordering guides. Uh, if we can go into Firefly real quick, I'd like to show, uh, do we have it up? Uh, maybe we lost it. Anyway, on our eShop homepage. If you go to your Internet Explorer right there, click that, click that, and then just go to like your top left. Go up and, oh, there we go. Oh. There, we go. there we go. Supplier ordering guides here on the left-hand side. If you click on that for me, you can pull up. You can see everybody that we have in eShop is a catalog supplier, has a step-by-step -step instruction as to how you need to procure through that supplier on campus. Um, I, won't, I won't have you click into one. Well, go ahead and click into like Granger, for example. We click into them, it pulls out how to do searches on their webs, on their punch out catalog, um, who to contact in case you have questions or, or problems with the product that you ordered, any late deliveries, or you're just not sure where the order is, their customer service representation is documented on that for you as well. So please use that as a, as a resource. If you can't get a hold of your procurement services rep, uh, you know if they're in eShop, you should be able to find it here. Uh, but don't be afraid to lean on the procurement services staff for any assistance that you need. And then finally, I'd like to bring up, and go back to the PowerPoint for me, please. The code of ethics. Now, being University of Nebraska employees, there are certain ethics that we need to abide by in order with our day-to-day -day work and dealing with campus, campus suppliers on campus. Um, this does not only apply to University of Procurement Services staff, it applies to everybody who's working for the university. Uh, an example being, and I think Procurement Services staff deal with this maybe more than most, uh, we get asked a lot to launch um, from our suppliers, our prime suppliers, they, they, they want to continue to pick up rings of how to get on campus, how to get more customer uh, purchases for their company. They, they offer to take us to lunch. Uh, we're not allowed to accept uh, them buying our lunches uh, for us. We can go to lunch with them if we pick up our own ticket. Um, but even that, uh, sometimes that, that can be, if another competitive company sees us with, uh, with one of their competitors, that can look a little fishy as well. So we, tr we try to um, prevent that from happening as much as possible. Um, another, I, another thing that I wanted to talk about with ethics, um, and, and we're going to have another eShop um, TED Talks that specifically deals with this topic uh, coming up later. 
uh, we'll, we'll show our schedule here of future topics. Um, so if you have any questions in regards to ethics uh, and maybe what you can or can't do as a university employee, uh, Maggie Witt, our director, is going to be uh, presenting that. So she'll be able to go through that with you uh, and assist you with any of those questions at that time. Okay, about it. Thank you, Dustin. As mentioned, um, our topic for April was purchases 25,000 and under, or 24,999 and under. So our future topics are going to be down here. There you go. Very bottom one. These are our future topics. Um, next month, we're going to be focusing on high dollar purchases over 25000 and the bid process. We do a lot of bids and procurement. Um, then there will be inventory surplus and assets management. John and Jill will be doing that. Procurement BRT updates will be following, I think, in July. Um, information technology procurement, we're going to be doing a presentation. And then code of ethics, that will be a featured topic all by itself. Prime supplier contracts and the total cost of ownership, that is going to be happening. So keep in mind, you can go out there to our website. These are recorded. Mickey does a great job of these. And you can see what the future topics will be. Do we have any questions right now from the audience or anybody online? Uh, real quick, the certificate of insurance for any vendor that does work on campus. So any, uh, I work in a print shop. Um, and anybody that we have come in and do repairs on any of our equipment has to have one of these, correct? Correct. The question for those of you not in the, in the audience here, uh, the certificate of insurance, the question was, anybody that works, that is coming to campus uh, to do work in the print shop, for example, uh, would be required to have a certificate of insurance? And the answer is yes. Any company physically coming to campus to perform any service or delivery of product needs to have a certificate of insurance on file. Typically, they are valid for one year. Everybody that has the record is can be located in our vendor lookup form. Do those vendors get any sort of prompt that this needs to be re-updated Sure. The, the question was, do the vendors get any notification or prompt as to their certificate needing to be updated? That typically comes from their insurance agent. Gotcha. Okay. They get letters actually. And we, and correct. Yeah, every When their certificate is about to expire 30 days out, uh, Mickey Sandin in our office uh, sends a list of those uh, to the buyer to the buyers for us to review, and then we'll do some contacts as well to help with that. Actually, I send out that. letters. I send expiration letters. So they get a month prior to expiration, they get a reminder letter, and then if it actually does expire and we hadn't gotten one, they'll get an expiration letter. So potentially two. Any other questions, sir? follow up on that. That's vendors who are already in some sort of contract, not on campus 
could potentially <laughs> look at doing a bid or an estimate? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so if they're coming to campus just to provide you an estimate, then they're not. If they're coming to campus to perform the, the, the work or provide the service in need, then they are then they need to be certified have that certificate on file. Pat? So if I'm placing an order for let's say twenty thousand dollars, not from a prime vendor, a lot of different items, um, I don't necessarily have to get additional quotes because it's like multiple items, not just one. That's the twenty thousand dollar price. Is that correct? Or do I need to get a couple of extra quotes because of the dollar price? Um, the, yes, the we always encourage you to get as many quotes as you possibly can, just to know that you're getting a fair price. But the requirement is anything under $25,000, you, you don't need additional quotes on. Okay. Um, what if it is the one piece of equipment that's gonna get an inventory tag? Do we need the extra quotes for something like that? Ooh, good question. John, with inventory, you got an answer for me there? Uh, what if um, I made a purchase for one piece of equipment over $5,000? Would I need quotes for that? Dustin was saying I didn't need quotes for under $25,000. Okay. If it's over $5,000, I would need the two quotes or not need the two quotes? No. Okay. Yeah, the capital equipment, we, we would want that to try to have that, wouldn't you, John? If, it, if it's capitalized, it's not required. It's not recommended. It's encouraged. Yeah, encouraged, yeah. Okay, yeah. encouraged, not recommended, okay. Um, I have no, oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, this is on. Okay. I'll fill in at the end. Okay, um, another question. Uh, so this may be on ethics, but since someone asked me this today, I thought I'd bring it up. Uh, you know how Menards is doing that, 11% rebate? <laughs> And I know that we can't like use our little reward cards for like Walgreens and all that because it's that's something we can't do. So what about this 11% rebate if they say, okay, yeah, we're really gonna use it for our department. I'm assuming it's still a no. The, there, there, there's a fine line there. What, what, what we've done in the past with Menards and some other companies on campus is if they're gonna give you that 11% rebate back to your department, then we want documentation for you guys to have documentation on file that that was given to you and then used by you as well within the department, not a personal employee. Yeah, for departmental and per purchases only. Okay. But keep as much documentation in regards to that as possible in case you get audited. Any other questions? Online question? Thank you. The question is, does it not cost the university less money to process a direct pay? Does it not? Does it, wouldn't it, would it not cost the university less money to do it? So if pay? I'm to restate that, is the caller or the question basically asking, is it less expensive to process a direct pay than a purchase order? Correct. So let me ask, let me try it this way. So you go out and purchase something and then you bring back an invoice and then you 
sign your name to the invoice and you have somebody else say, here, take this invoice and put the right codes on it. And then you write, you write all over it and then you route it through intercompany mail over to accounts payable, who checks to make sure the signature's there. Maybe it's the right one, maybe it's not. They pick up the phone, they call you, they route it back because they haven't got the right signature, then they route it back to accounts payable to make sure that it's correct. Then they have to enter it in the system to issue a check for payment. Is that about the right process? Would that be what normally happens? Am I, I'm asking. Okay. So the process that that took, and that's not atypical, you used maybe, I don't know, maybe a few days, some people's time to facilitate a purchase. That's, that's not uncommon. The difference in purchasing something in a catalog or going online and issuing a PO a purchase order typically in a system is very low cost to the university because the cost of issuing an eShop PO is, now this, this is going to be debated by many people, so it depends on who's asking the question, but we have our own estimate, so if I throw a number out there, it's probably going to get challenged, so I really don't want to get challenged on this, but I'm going to tell people on, from my estimations here at the university, it, it ranges anywhere between 5 to $15 to cut a PO for the university in our systems. The purchase order itself, being a very low-cost transaction, can have a purchase order issued to the vendor for next to nothing, which is that's a very low-cost transaction. Our goal is to get it under, like, $3.00. The invoice can be submitted to the university if it's a catalog vendor for pennies electronically. If it's a paper invoice that needs to get mailed in, then the process is virtually the same. And then, so it, it really does depend on the way we set up that relationship with the supplier. But if they send it in, the cost object's already on there, the approval's already in the PO, and everything is there. So there's no additional handling between the department and the resulting approver and everything else. So to a large degree, if we set it up in advance, the process is more straightforward, if you will. That, but that, I know that's not always the ideal situation, and especially if they're going out and buying something for the first time from a supplier that procurement has never worked with previously. So that question has a lot of dimension to it, and the caller or the person online, you know, it bodes a discussion that, you know, I would love to entertain. To follow up, would a direct pay cost less to run through than a P-card purchase? No. P-cards definitely are very low cost, but they also, um, they also have a place. Because from a university procurement perspective, um, we get very limited information, and I don't mean just procurement. I mean the university gets very limited information back from the merchant regarding the purchase. So we have procurement's responsibility to the university is to not only understand what we procure, but also analyze what we procure and make recommendations to the university as to how we can leverage and, and give recommendations back to the university for the best value. So in many times there are a lot of ad hoc purchases that maybe we could help advise departments to go to prime vendors 
or help you make great decisions. And, and it's just a, it's very challenging for us to do that with PCARD data. We're not suggesting we have all the answers. We're just saying that PCARD data is very challenging for us to analyze and assist the university in analytics. Doesn't mean we have all the answers, but we wanna make sure we can help the university make the best overall decisions from a leveraged perspective. That's a really brief answer on a challenging subject. I'd like to turn the microphone back to the people that started this. And if, if uh, Dustin and Claudette or Martha have any other things they want to add on the PCARD topic, I'd be happy to let them add. Martha, you have anything? I don't have anything there. There's a reason we start the PCARD program because it's more efficient. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Scott mentioned that. Um, am I on? Uh, the P-Card program, to my understanding, and being a P-Card uh, purchaser, was started before eShop existed. Um, there's a reason we started the P-Card program is because of its efficiency. Um, again, you're, say, you're saying numbers. My understanding when the P-Card was started, it was about $80 to process a purchase through you know, counting for everyone's time and all the touch points of every person who has to verify, remail it back, re-verify to get a check cut, a direct pay. Um, so the P-Card program definitely benefited the university as a whole. Um, it sounds like eShop uh, has allowed us to leverage getting prime vendors and save even more. So I think both have their points. And yes, direct pay also has its points, but it sounds to me, being a novice, uh, that we should be directing people towards the most efficient uh, options for the university. That's a great comment, Scott. Thank you for that. Uh, another point I'd like to make, uh, you know, direct pays, they could open a window for abuse of university funds as well. There's just no way to monitor them. So... You know, we try to limit those as much as possible just to not only protect the university, but protect the employee as well. Another question, Sue? What is the cost to process an eShop order? So once again, I, I think I alluded to that previously. Um, and it depends on, uh, and, and could the, the person who chatted that in elaborate a little bit more from what point to what point? Because there's a lot that goes into it to process it from the minute somebody puts it in to the very end it's paid. I mean, as I said, right now today in our organization, we think it ranges, and somebody, if you got me on recording, and you play this back again, I thought I said anywhere from, did anybody hear me or write that down? The, yeah, five to 15, something like that. Our goal is to have it below, I mean, really, ideally for us, it would be around $3. That's our goal, to get it, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, there, and really with, with eShop, with Jagger, that is completely feasible. That is totally feasible. But we're, we have ourselves the Cadillac of a system, and we're driving it like a Volkswagen, okay? 
And that, and, and for the caller, again, I, or the person online, I would really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation about this. I, I, we're excited about the future of e-procurement at the university. This is going to help us. So we want your opinions. We want your feedback. We love to engage in this discussion. Does that include overhead? That would include everything we do in procurement. Does that include overhead is the $3 for each punch out? Uh, these are very specific questions. So this includes the operations of doing procurement. This includes what we do. I, this is a very specific question, someone who is asking. So I'm telling you that what we would like to achieve is a below $3.50 cost for a PO. We're not there today. But I would love to speak with this individual more specifically. Yes, we would love to get down there. But yes, it includes everything. That's what we'd like to get to. Any other questions? So if this person who is asking those questions would love to call me, I would love to have a conversation further about those specifics so we can help you understand our goals in this area. Um, we do have goals in that area, and we have a lot of work to do um, because not all transactions are processed electronically here at the university, and um, it varies from campus to campus, but specifically at the Lincoln campus, we know we have a lot to learn about all of our processes and all of our transactions, and we don't profess to know everything. So those conversations with our stakeholders will help us better understand where those obstacles and challenges will exist and where we might run into, we need to learn where those are. Thank you. And it's maggie.wit at unl.edu. Perfect, thank you, Maggie. Okay, well, on behalf of myself, Claudette and Martha, uh, we'd like to thank everybody for their attendance today. We'd like to thank everybody online for their time as well. Um, and especially on behalf of procurement services in general. Um, we'll, like I said before, I can't emphasize enough, please use this as a resource. We're here to help you uh, as much as possible. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at next month's PED Talks. Thank you.